Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Andrew Mead, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, hello. Justin Robert Young. Yo, what up? Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hello. So I saw this article via Ars Technica, and it's about a study that says, hey, you know those signs they put over highways to tell you to, like, drive safely and, you know, be careful? And yeah, uh, uh, you mean the ones that they, that they change up and, like, uh, I guess state money goes to some intern writing a clever Matthew McConaughey reference or something? Like, uh, hey, uh, wearing a seatbelt, be a lot cooler if you did. Those? Right. Hey, uh, yeah. the Easter Bunny says, ribbit, ribbit, uh, drive safe. So they talked, they did a study when they used the, the Texas Department of Transportation, which was displaying a death toll. Like they wanted to show the highway death toll from, you know, unsafe driving. And according to the study, when they did that, it went up. They had more accidents. People, people were like, well, that's not so bad. Yeah. I guess I can get loosey-goosey. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there are a lot of caveats with a study like this, let's be sure. But I do think that, hey, look over here. It might, you know, I've sometimes thought like, man, like, I get when you got like dudes working in the highway, like when you got uh, people, uh, not just dudes, but people working in construction and stuff, which is extremely dangerous and why we need to slow down whenever we come across highway construction, because that is an extremely dangerous job, not made any easier by uh, idiots who go very fast. And I understand like having flashing signs and stuff like, please slow the hell down. You're going to murder somebody. I think that's very useful. Sure. But like, hey, let's just throw a little warning up there, you know, yeah. like in the middle of somebody's driving and like, ah, oh, what's going Let me read that sign and run into the car in front uh, of me. My, my, my favorite is the bitter irony when the message on the sign is like, hey, 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 whoa, 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 look over here, look over here. Don't drive distracted. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that one always gets me. I'm just like, why did you do that? Hey, get off your phone. Yeah. Look at the sign. Get off your phone. Read the sign. Yeah. They should text you. Stop I mean, looking at your phone. <laughs> You're driving right now. I mean, uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, I guess I, I, I want to steal man both sides of this. Um, uh, the, uh, um, I do believe everybody's heart is in the right place. And I believe that people think these signs are very good. And indeed, in a pre-Waze era, when not everyone had a smartphone and they didn't have the ability to send out alerts to everybody these signs were probably extraordinarily visionary in their ability to, let's say, notice that an old person somewhere in the state of Texas has gone missing. Um, I, 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 uh, I am certain there's a non-zero number of Amber Alerts that have yielded discovered children or silver alerts that have found uh, wandering uh, dementia patients or whatever. Um, uh, blue alerts are a bit weird because it sounds like a gang war. Uh, but then, but then, uh, in general, I think this is the seen versus unseen benefit. You see the thing that happens as a result of these alerts, 
the unseen thing that you don't see is is like how many quiet fatalities there are because they have a giant sign saying, please pay attention to this sign, not the road. Well, I mean, but but uh, I think that the issue here in this story is that uh, there was a a processing by people who are 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 looking at that sign and they're saying, oh, that number didn't seem so bad. Like, no, I'm definitely not going to be one of that number that's there. And and so so therefore, I mean, but then again, also, this might just be noise. It might just be that, you know, uh, uh, the that sign ran during a particularly more, uh, uh, you know, a time when there is high, uh, higher auto fatalities like Fourth of July or during the holidays or something when there's inclement weather. Sure. But but like, for example, the example sign here says one thousand six hundred sixty nine deaths this year on Texas roads. If you are thinking about whether that's a big number or a small number, you're you, not thinking you about definitely driving. You're not thinking about yeah. Your, yeah the the road. So it, it so, would be it would be just as bad if if the sign said there was a man from St. Ides. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, how do you think it ends? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, how does it end? So, the, to you know the the researchers that did this are not idiots, and so one of the ways they did this was they measured the persistence of accidents near the sign and further away from the sign. So they looked at stretches of highway, how far away did things occur there, and when it was on or off, etc. And so there was a lot of things they did. To, I, I think they, from here it looks like they did a pretty good job to say to separating well all that we, out. Yeah, yeah, and again, and I'm sure they would be the first ones to tell you like more data needed, more data needed, and. And their because their prediction was we think this may cause distraction and they've sound they did what seemed like a sound way to look into this and so see but like you said everything you said there could be other factors so I, I would you know I don't I don't think any of us is running away from this going ah therefore it's proven it's consensus yeah. you know, and is- uh, now now here's the part where I flip everything on its side um, let's say as of now we have not had a category five hurricane swoop right into the middle of Austin. So as a result, all of our results would be skewed because I would only be looking at the scene detriment of, uh, of, of, you know, so-and-so is missing in his El Dorado or whatever. Um, and, and not seeing how many thousands of lives might be saved by a coordinated messaging system, uh, in a once in a thousand years storm hitting uh, all, all at once. Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's an issue against messaging at all. I think the question is, is that when you do press that button, you have to be aware of like, okay, if I press this button, there might be a chance I'll cause a distraction. But if this button's to say, hey, there's a traffic jam ahead and you better slow down, seems like a good button to press. And, if it's like, uh, and and like you know, we, we were kind of joking earlier that it's probably some intern who does it, but nowadays a lot of copywriting is done by professional copywriters. I'm sure. If anything, the the state is probably paying a good amount of money to have someone be very oh, clever and very smart internal, and very cute. There's twelve layers to this. This is yeah. not a person who has con, you know who's like in hold of an Instagram account. And so and so it ends up being a thing where they probably expect someone to write very good, clever thinkers. When really, what you need is please drive safe. Or nothing, drive safe. or nothing at all. Maybe. Or nothing at all. Or nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I, I I do think that the the things that I've seen on those signs that have been the most constructive to me are just like traffic times to blank. Like, so, Mm. so you're not even saying that it's necessarily like a traffic jam or something. You're just saying 
it is 15 minutes to an exit that you know is five minutes away and you're just like, okay, that's good bite-sized information for which I can process. I know every inch of it immediately. And it's not like what you were saying in this study insinuates that maybe giving too weighty or too complex a piece of information is counterintuitive. Well, and, and then meanwhile, I could also be convinced of, of the opposite side of, let's say, in the right circumstance, uh, in general, these signs should stay blank all the time. But uh, if they do stay blank all the time, then they don't get funded because people are like, why are those signs there? They're just We're blank not all using the time, them. Right. And, and so and then then you have the moral calculus of like, well, how often do we put something on there so people feel like because because, again, ultimately, they're going to vote with their votes on yeah. whether or not we're going to continue to fund all And if this. it always says the same thing, it always says the same thing. Don't right. we pay someone to write funny Austin stuff? And then, and then you Keep get Austin that. safe. Who, who, who is this voter? Uh, uh, no, he's is, my favorite voter. It's me. I'm John Everyman. John Everyman. And I want Jeez. my son so you, to be... So you really, you need them... Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, John Everyman, but uh, uh, so, so you need them to be funny? Well, well, well we're paying for them, you know. We're well, paying for the electricity. And think about uh, this, right? Let's say McDonald's was willing to sponsor a whole year's worth of these if you just, you know, for one day put up a, hey, McRibs are great. Uh, then all of a sudden, it's like you have the the other moral calculus of like, oh, is that what we're doing now? Is we're, we're having money? road signs paid for by McDonald's? It's like, well, better that than tax paper, dear. Ta- uh, I mean, McRibs are awesome. So. What's that? That's a statement of fact. McRibs are awesome. They're, so they are a great. Yeah, they're a great invention. Uh, <laughs> maybe it should just be nice things. Like, have a nice day. Oh. Yeah, you're a great person. Uh, well, remember? That's there. See, okay, there was a report. Uh, uh, this, confront, this, this, confront your inner demons. This, this makes re- me more upset. Okay, sorry, go there, ahead. There's a report about a police department. I remember seeing this. They had like a news mag, you know, TV news covering this where they were pulling people over to compliment them for good driving. Oh, and, God, Jesus. I've get s- the oh. hell. That, that is the fastest way for me to commit police brutality. Like, that is, I will <laughs> that, go to jail assaulting a police officer if I were pulled over and oh, then they I, just said, it, thank you. Yeah. It's what a cop up at you on the drive, and here's a coupon for McDonald's. Like, literally, that's what they're doing. Get like, out of here with that. Jeez. I mean, there really is, just like, <laughs> it, it yeah. does. When, when, when you really accept the counterfactual possibilities, there's really no win on any of this. Oh, yeah. It's like, imagine if the IRS showed up your door and told you, hey, good job on your taxes. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, I, I took my lunch break is for that... this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The IRS has an appointment with you at one o'clock. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, good job, yeah. citizen. Your friends at Harbor Freight just wanted to let you know you did a very good job playing your taxes this year. Yeah, uh, that, oh, but intention. this does remind me a little bit of uh, this thing in Australia. I, I I only know the the broad strokes of it, but uh, in I don't know if it's ever. I don't think it's everywhere, but in places of in Australia, in lieu of a speed limit, you know the 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 electric electronic speed limit signs that yeah. say how fast you're going. Instead of giving you a number, it gives you a smiley face or a frowny face, and supposedly that has done a lot to reduce people's speeds and reduce traffic incidents. No kidding. And so when you're driving in the correct speed limit, you just get a green a green happy face. 
And when it's not, it just says slow down. So there is the idea of gamification of all this. Well, and, and the reason why I would assume is that uh, for the same reason that uh, I don't know if there's anybody else among us that uh, was uh, 17. But when you see one of those signs, you want to find out exactly how fast you can make it go. Mm. And uh, uh, I, I think studies show those are the minority of people. Uh, yes. Not the majority. No, I think. Uh, 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 yeah. But they. I mean, I don't know. They happen. They they exist. They do. They do. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, we were talking to the police officers uh, uh, over on a, a close by road that all of yeah. us have to go past. Uh, today, as a matter of fact, they just took down those signs. They they made them temporary because when you make them permanent, they uh, you know they reduce the lose the their effectiveness. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So you want to keep on moving them around, but in general, it's like. I mean, I don't, I don't like knowing that I'm accidentally speeding or whatever. Yeah. And I think by doing the smiley face, you get a little bit of an emotional element. Oh, I made the little happy face. Well, I, think I drove just, correctly. Yeah, it, it's binary. So it's good driving, bad driving. It's not the number for which you even, even in the context of you getting positive reinforcement for it, you're still doing math in your head based on what the number uh, uh, is above it versus the number that you're seeing below it. Whereas before, or with something like this, it's just like, doing good, bad, slow down. Like, it's, 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 I think it's a simpler message. Yeah. Anyway. You know, it's not a simple message. No. It's a complicated message, but actually quite simple, if you think about it the right way. Exactly. The Byzantine impenetrable world of patreon.com slash weird things. Uh -huh. Bring your thesaurus and possibly a calculator to solve the grandest puzzle of them all. Patreon.com slash weird things. Begin your years-long odyssey by pledging uh, money to us via this website. Once you've successfully become a patron, you will get bonus content, including the After Things podcast before anybody else, as well as the satisfaction of supporting independent creators. From that point, you just live your life, and hopefully you can conquer all the other challenges. It's the adventure of a lifetime that begins right now at patreon.com slash weird things. Is Nicolas Cage in this movie? I don't want to watch this movie. I'm, I'm a patron oh, for he's weird got things. A, he does some good ones too, Bryce. <laughs> he does. He just mixes it up sometimes. Sometimes he does. Apparently the new movie's good. I, I've, I've heard good things about it. Mm. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Bryce, do you like magic? Do you like magic tricks? Uh, do Yeah. Yeah, magic's great. It's like it's like a like a uh, hey uh, Chuck E. Cheese employee. You like rats, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, magic's great. Yes, I love rats <laughs> and pizza. <laughs> he does say the same thing over and over. Oh yeah, magic's great. I love oh that. yeah, magic's great. Magic's I've great. rehearsed this line. You're not gonna trip me up. Magic's great. <laughs> I love seeing some disappear or reappear. <laughs> what and leave show business? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, no. Do we? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, do we? Do we buy? Do we buy Bryce on this, guys? Brian, Justin, thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> I do. do. Him? I think Bryce is telling the truth. I think he. I think he genuinely likes magic. I think he loves it. Well, well I, I want to do an away. update to Blade Runner. Remember in Blade Runner, they had the Voight comp test, of course, where they yeah. sat across yeah. the person, they'd ask them mm. questions. You see a tortoise in the desert. Do you flip him over? You know, and why aren't you flipping him over? Yeah. yeah, exactly. These tests in Android. 
And then we're going to add one where he's going to pull out a silk hanky and put it into his hand <laughs> and open it up and it's going to be gone. He's going to go, ta-da. <laughs> and then they're going to ask you, do you like this? Okay. Well, I, I, he, not, I like a good handkerchief routine. So. Because apparently, according to a study published in the Psychology of Aesthetics, Creativity, and the Arts, people who hate magic tend to be higher in interpersonal dominance and psychopathy and lower in agreeableness. Basically, don't like magic, you're a psycho. You're a psychopath. Yes. I, I saw this uh, floating around the internet the, the other day, and I totally agree. I, I think that, that uh, uh, the people that hate magic tend to not be people I like, personally. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Um, how do you square that with uh, people who, <laughs> who exhibit these behaviors yet buy and engage in a lot of magic, maybe in discussion we don't We don't have enough. <laughs> Um, showtime for me to discuss that very specific personality okay, type. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, no, they're the worst people on the planet. Let me read. They, they let roam me read. an irradiated landscape with their with a, a pustule marked face, with their uh, eyeballs falling out, uh, just menacing the countryside. The worst. Let me read you three paragraphs. Three paragraphs. Okay, so it starts off. So who hates magic? Those who held more negative attitudes towards magic scored lower in openness to experience. They're also less prone to get absorbed or feel immersed, experience awe, or lose track of time. Further, individuals who are dogmatic or intolerant of uncertainty are more likely to dislike magic. Okay, interesting. Makes sense. La okay, and two more paragraphs. Lastly, numerous disagreeable traits were associated with disliking magic. People lower in agreeableness, uncooperative, socially cold, higher in psychopathy, impulsive, unempathetic, and interpersonal dominance more likely to hate magic. But here's the counterpart. You ready for this? Yeah. Interestingly, people higher in sadism had had more favorable ah. attitudes towards magic. The authors speculate, quote, it's possible the interpersonal manipulation component of magic, deceiving others and then withholding from them something they are dying to know has a certain sadistic appeal. It is also possible that sadists enjoy the moments in a magic show where an audience volunteer is surprised or confused. Or perhaps when they say they like magic, they're referring to the subset of magic, the genre of torture illusions that include sawing a woman in half, Jesus the head chopper, zigzag lady, the assistant's revenge, and various escape from dangerous situations. Torture illusions. <laughs> so you like magic. What I, kind of magic do you like? You know, uh, uh, in this article, do they give the exact phrasing of the question, do you like magic or, or, or magic illusions or... or do you like participating in them or seeing them or going to I magic shows? I would have to I think probably in the study they and get while, into yeah, particulars. And, and while we're finding out that, has anyone ever used the phrase torture illusions to describe those? I mean, first of all, the majority of all illusions are torture illusions. Well, certainly so. I mean, like any kind of body manipulation or separating, but I, I don't think of those as are, coded as being, watch me torture this person. I mean, maybe a few people uh, that are specifically going out of their way. Let me take you on a journey back to 2006. Uh, YouTube was all of one year old, and our mutual friend CJ Johnson puts his uh, set of illusions that he did at the Magic Island, and yet one of them was seven, eight, ten times more popular than the others. For some reason, it was the one in which the girl was flattened into a two-dimensional object. Uh, turns out there is a sexual fetish community that that's their thing. Is flattening women? Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think he got like linked on a forum or something. Uh, he eventually figured out that that uh, like. It was all kind of in, in coded speak, but basically it's like, uh, 
<clears throat> Hello, fellow appreciators of illusions. Here's one I think we'll all enjoy, Wink Face. And then it was... Gotcha, yeah. And he found there's, that. There's studies that says some of these weird, uh, for lack of a better term, and not to shame, kinks, yes. can be related to like uh, how some brains are shaped differently and how some regions over-trigger, like, like how... There's a cluster for some people, their brain just, it's literally like a wiring thing because they look at like people like foot fetishes and stuff like this and how they get triggered more by this than uh, other people. And like, and you wonder like, because like the flat thing is like, I heard that before, like it's such a weird thing, not judging much. Unusual. But it is, it is an outlier towards experience that I'm familiar with and come from, you know, talk to people about. And you just wonder like, yeah, is that just, just trigger some group of neurons in a way like, oh, you know, like, I mean, we think about it like, you know, I see, you know, boobs. I'm like, oh, yay, cool. And then from the, the, the cold calculus of the universe, why? <laughs> you too? Yeah. Like, why? Like, the universe is like, it's just it's just a couple algorithms. Why? Well, that's, it's another algorithm. So. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think it was uh, David Sedaris was writing about how he was making money for a while writing uh, erotica do, uh, uh, themed around giantism. Like uh, like uh, fifty foot tall women and so yeah. on. That's a thing. Magic, oh. huh? Uh, so so. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so so, why do you think people? Do you, do, yeah, I, I want to draw a circle around the sadism thing. Do do you see that a a, a higher level if from inside the magic community of people that you would describe as sadists that they are very excited to hold the secret over somebody's head? Uh. Let's put a pin in that and let me bring up a totally unrelated topic. I have noticed that some people that I'm friendly with seem to agree that a lot of people should learn how to do magic. And some people who I disagree with yeah. seem to really want to hold back the secrets of magic. That's the end of my segment. Yeah, I mean, I guess... It's it's interesting to kind of parse through what the motivations are on that because like very rarely do I see the arguments the the arguments tend to be financial like against it like yes. that it's like you and, are ruining an industry and they're they're pretty poor arguments sure well yeah, yeah. Re regardless of the fidelity of the arguments if we're only trying to look at the motivations behind them. It, it's usually like, oh, well, I can't work. Somebody can't work. We're, we're enjoying, we're, we are ruining this ability to make money almost as uh, 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 before we get to the idea of before we can delight people. But even then, I, I, I think that there's, there's not necessarily like a, ooh, he, I'll hold, I will hold the, uh, the, 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 the secrets. In fact, when I was doing eye tricks with Andrew, the fastest way for me to find out the the method behind any magic trick is to hang out with a bunch of magicians and while they describe a very cool magic trick i respond with that's amazing so in and other then, words <laughs> by refusing to ask i refused to, people I, I, couldn't resist no because magicians especially you. because they work so hard on especially really really good stuff really really clever stuff it's like eventually they're just going to be like yeah, no, it's a fake book, and and I'm like, like so, uh, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. That's that's that, that is that's interesting and fun. I, I I think it's it's more from the inside of of magic that you have a lot of like puzzle people. You have a lot of like people who really enjoy thinking through complex things and have applied that to the world of magic, where it's like, oh, I can complicate, 
you know, this pad of paper or, or a pen or something like that in a way that I can create something that the audience doesn't even know is a puzzle. Yeah. And, uh, I, I tend to be kind of a, a big, big tent kind of guy when it comes to that. Like, I think there's places for academic magicians, people who read all the methods and could probably deconstruct and explain how just about any act you've ever seen is done for practicing magicians, people who are out there, you know, doing full-time professional, part-time professional, uh, and, uh, and, and, and people who, uh, quite literally just want to scratch the itch and don't mind doing the work to get there. And like people, people have gotten an art sadist <laughs> and like people are smarter nowadays, like to, uh, to people, I, and this is just going into the weeds of this, so we don't have to, but like people will be more impressed when they know how something's done. They will, it, they will just enjoy no. more. No. And not, no. not always, no, no, I'm not no. uh, in the thing that we do, the square block called game nation, like, like showing how it's done gives people an appreciation for some of the basic elements of this. I, yes, there's surprise and there's, all, but, well, but it is not, it, you, it, it's not flat out that learning how it's done ruins everything. You cultivate a certain audience to that too. I mean, there's a certain kind of audience that mm -hmm. says, I want, and that, that comes into appreciating, they appreciating yeah. secrets. They want to see, oh, it was a paperclip the whole time. Oh, I love that. There's the other people like, it was a GD paperclip. This is the dumbest thing in the world because some people come in there wanting, oh no, it's really this Buddhist secret that we've kept like for a thousand yeah. years. Nobody knew about it. Levitation's real. Magic is a thing. Harry, Harry Potter, actual person, know him. There's some people who just come to it wanting that, but like, yeah, there's some people who go like, oh yeah, I, the more simple they appreciate it. They go, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. But other people do get, I do think it might lend to that. Some people get very angry when they find out, oh, it's just this. Like, yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. You know, you blew know. on it. Yeah. What a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like at some point, a key card is going to not be interesting to anybody. So whoa, whoa, maybe whoa, we can teach whoa, it to somebody whoa. and they could find it. out, hey, a key card's kind of cool. I used well, one to get into my hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> I think we saw like, Penn and Teller have kind of made a big part of their repertoire. The whole, we'll show you how it's done and then we'll do it anyways and you're still going to be entertained. Yeah. And uh, certainly some kinds of magic are better if you don't. I think they're, they're more entertaining if you don't know. And, we, and there's the argument like, wait, should be a better performer. I'm like, well, you know, we all rise to our, our levels. <laughs> and, you know, in my case, I needed really clever magic tricks. <laughs> I needed really deceptive stuff. Uh, but anyhow, uh, changing topics here, gentlemen, mm -hmm. next up on the train. Uh so there was a random study about randomness, and the study had said, hey, we don't think people are really good at randomness, and we think that there's, you know, we've done a study, we think that people suck at this, and somebody else said, uh, you know what? I don't think your study's very good. We think that your study about randomness uh, was flawed. So if you go to, all right, rigorous scientific website here, uh, URL rather, um, everybody type this in. Uh, it Well, it's part of pudding.cool, so they did a whole thing about randomness. <laughs> okay. So if you go to uh, the pudding, they have this first link there. If you go pudding.cool, we found this cool study about randomness, and they actually are doing their own online test of randomness to figure out, could they replicate a study that said that people were really bad at that? 
and they looked through the data of the scatter plot of data and they saw people were asked like oh generate what you might think is a random number and they saw a lot of people just type it in zero 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 or one 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 and they're like that doesn't feel like somebody's taking the study that seriously and then when they took that data and they separated those out they're like yeah these people seem to be pretty random you know there they appears to be more random so here what they're asking people to do is to try to predict like you think the outcome of 12 coin flips would be so if you go back to the page and you click the results you can see what their results were mm. and uh, let's... so they've been trying to recreate studies so they go through and uh they point out like the inability to replicate stuff so they talk about the coin coin toss complexity scores etc and they have a kind of a very well you know, very polished website, and then if you scroll all down, down there, um, when they do it with their, they compare the, the the study, and then their own study about ability to predict, you know, determine randomness. They found out their study showed, yeah, no, people are way better at being random than this implies. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating because I think if you control it the right way, then you are going to see, uh, uh. You know, the fact that people are, are 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 random mostly because you're taking away crutches in, in the way that you describe that zero 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 thing where it's like somebody just kinda wants to see the results or or kinda just wants to get to the end of something and so they're going to rely on the crutch of let me just hit one number a a, a few times as opposed to generating what they believe is a random number. Uh, and not to get back to magic, but like that's a thing that is known amongst magicians, right? That like when you give people a deck of cards they are overwhelmingly going to select one of a few cards for whatever reason. You know, right. th that is that is just a thing that happens. So it's not really random. We are attracted to certain numbers. We're attracted to certain colors. We're attracted to certain uh, uh, things over over the other ones. So I think you really credit to these guys. They did the work and said, uh, hey, uh, exactly how do we want to make sure that this is about as uh, we are removing as many crutches as possible? So, so if, if I'm understanding the article itself, it, it's much as um, over time we had the organic experience of figuring out like outside of the ACE of spades, queen of, uh, uh, sure. Queen of clubs, queen of hearts and so on. Uh, what are of the not top 10 most interesting cards? What is the psychological map? If you were to think of a quote unquote random card, yeah. we get a picture of that uh, from the Scamnation stuff. They're doing the same thing for coin flips and for dice rolls for, for what it is an accurate map of what we assume a picture of randomness looks like. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, is if you tell somebody a way to, a way to like, if you want to do the card thing and you want to negate and the magician picking a card, say, okay, I'm going to ask you to pick a card. I'm going to do this three times. I'm going to ask you to pick a card. I'm going to tell you to change your mind again. And then again, because I don't want you to pick the first thing everybody picks, so I'm going to make you work for it. And people get that because then by the time they get to the third card, they're picking things like four clubs or seven of diamonds, and they're not picking queen of hearts or ace of spades. And that's like one of the ways in the constructs of routine, you can say, okay, let's, let's, here's how we're going to get random. We're going to, I'm going to ask you three times to do this because I think your third one's really going to be random and I'm not going to keep going until you get the one I want. It will be the third. Here they kind of showing that's like a way of throwing out the 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 outliers here, and it's it's interesting because when they look at that data, it says like yeah, these the people performed much better on this test than they did. There was also like an age that basically older people tended to like be less random, and I maybe just be impatient, like whatever zero 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 zero. I don't care. 
Though I will say, when I I just did it, I just did the the, the test here off screen. Uh, it asked if I was over sixty years old, and that was their guess for my age. So uh, that would be yeah. incorrect, I would say. Well, they 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 found that they weren't that good at guessing ages based upon how random you were. Ah, well, mm. I, I would agree so, with that. But they were able to show that there there was a pretty like they Although showed us almost. You great. look great, Bryce. I'm looking you great. Over over 60. Yeah, yeah, you look amazing. <laughs> the audio if, if you elder. Look at, <laughs> you look at their data, you see a little bit of an elbow around 30, but other than that, it's pretty consistent across the board as far as like. Uh, so know. to me, one of the most fun aspects of these kind of uh, experiments is asking the counterfactual, well, what were you hoping, Brian, to see? And what does that say about you? Um, like, like uh, I, I, I guess we have a tendency to hope that were logical Vulcans that would have a perfect uh, standard deviation bell curve kind of distribution. But if that's the case, why, like, why, why would I want that? Why would that be better in any way? And of course uh, the answer is it, it wouldn't, it's just, just our biases. Well, the, your uniqueness. I mean, I think that the idea that like, any discussion of, let's say, free will is immediately problematic because trying to describe, you have to first describe what do we mean by free will. And, right. and that's the, you know, you can, any, any, any side can win an argument on free will by deciding in advance how they're going to define it. Yeah. And when we talk about, like, why do I want to feel, I want to feel I'm more complex. I want to feel that I'm a more complex system than, than something that's extremely easy to predict but I'm aware of the fact that I am probably very easy to predict, but I do think in the long range, you know, like my argument about free will is like, don't ask me the first thing that comes to my mind. Let me think about it. And I'll tell you the 12th thing. And you're not going to be able to predict that. And it's about kind of, you know, and that's long form agency, which is harder to test. And people who kind of argument like, Oh, there's no such thing as free will. Cause we saw the brain predict this thing before it happened. Like, yeah, that would make sense that our brain has to adapt to an environment where things that come out of nowhere, we don't stop and reason things out. We ad hoc reason it, but that trains us for later. And that's how we make our decision later. We go, ah, I should not have, you know, shielded the spear with this side of my chest because I'm bleeding out on the ground and should I survive? You know, and that's that's the thing I think it's lost is the what we learn in AI and reinforcement learning is you it's making a bunch of predictions and trying things out, but also like you just sort of go, go with this, go with this, go with this, which may say like, oh, see, we don't have free will, but it's like yeah, I learned from it. It's like prisoner's dilemma. Prisoner's dilemma with memory and history changes the outcome. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I suppose what I was leaning towards is uh, removing the value judgment where it's like, uh, it feels like a free choice when I walk into a grocery store and yet I always tend to go right where the vegetables are. Uh, uh, you know, and whether or not, you know, there's that debate about whether or not the milk is in the back of the grocery store because that preserves the cold chain or whether it's because milk is valuable enough that they want to get you, they, whoever walk, they is, to, walk, to go yeah. all the way deep into the store or whatever. Um, I, 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 I suppose it's, it's uh, uh, I, I rather enjoy thinking of those things without any kind of like right or wrong answers to them. That's just the way they are. Hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that kind of uh, uh, psychology comes into marketing, right? Like just the idea of like, what is exciting? What is going to provoke a response immediately? In fact, a, a lot of it, especially as, uh, you know, 
content and media has uh, only exploded because it became cheaper to produce. Those are really the skills that, that are, are paramount of like in a world of clutter, uh, how can you get somebody to pay attention, click on a thing, uh, a uh, follow for more, like all of these, uh, all of these kind of uh, idiomatic responses that, that you can try and trigger. Mm-hmm. And, and to clarify for our listeners that the, so the study is it would sort of Im- imply that free will as we believe it doesn't necessarily exist not aren't about how often you make the same decision it's monitoring the parts of your brain and seeing where a decision is made and then the part of your brain that rationalizes it and watching how people come up with a rationalization after it was like why did you do this i did this because of this and you're finding out like no something else made that choice and the part that created this narrative came in later which, and I would argue from an evolutionary point of view, of course, the thing that takes narrative takes more energy, takes more time, and that would be a very bad decision-making apparatus for most decisions. Yeah. Agreed. But again, free I, will. I, I cognitively choose to agree. <laughs> what do we have for picks, gentlemen? Hmm. Uh, I finally had time to watch a television show last night, and I watched Severance with my wife. Ooh. I like Severance. How far I think it's in? a good show. I think we got that was episode four. I okay. watched last night, um, but uh, uh, very uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, Twin Peaksy. You know, like a a uh, uh, just a fun a fun show. I would I would throw out the caveat and not not that you're in dispute with this, but. It has its logic and makes sense. Or Twin Peaks makes yeah. sense to David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. And that's the thing is, I'm I'm not at the point where we're we're still stacking questions on questions on questions. Uh, and so my wife was like theorizing about like, oh, well, is blank is blank, and and what about blank? And uh, uh, I was like, well, I I have a suspicion that. At this point in this kind of story, we're, we're probably going to get supposed to know. <laughs> well, also that we're going to get four more questions on top of all the questions that we already know before we start getting uh, uh, any answers. But uh, so far, I mean, just what a what a, a great collection of talent uh, uh, and and a story told in a small uh, a, a small window with gigantic implications. Uh, I, peripherally related. I'm, I'm going to make my pick something I have yet to experience, but I'm very excited about it. Uh, the Stanley Parable has a deluxe edition that just came out. So if you like the bizarreness of of Severance uh, about the kind of closed box uh, mystery that it presents, uh, the ultra deluxe version of Stanley Parable uh, already, all I've seen is about five minutes where the first thing it does is ask you to set the time and then it mocks you for putting in the accurate time. Like, really? You think I don't know what time it is? That's hilarious. <laughs> and then, I, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm really excited. I just want to touch something to back in Severance. What I appreciated from the first episode, and I'm going to spoil alert this time, you should watch the first episode is when Hallie goes running out the door and she comes running back in, it felt like a portal. It felt like yeah. this. You're like, how is this happening? Like, And then I'm like, okay, it's it's magic. It's a weird realm. I'll just go with it. And then a little while later, 10 minutes later, we get an explanation. Oh, yeah, your brain just switched off. Right. And you have no memory. And I'm like, oh, 
I love this because it was like a lost level sort of mystery that could have been never resolved for us. Yeah. But they said, no, this is the rules of how this works. And you go, oh, man, that's effed up. And it, so I it, was just It has a very, very moment. strong internal logic that remains consistent. And, yeah. And yeah. That's, that's, it's easy for uh, a lesser show to blow that over, but they don't in Severance. They yeah, really pay it. Exactly. I really, exactly. I, I really, really loved and appreciated that, that it is sci-fi at it's the dip, the line between sci-fi and fantasy, which has gotten blurred through the years, uh, is that sci-fi should have internal logic that you are, yeah. that you are, I mean, and, and strong fantasy should have it too. But once you enter into the world of espers and magic and everything, then you can always say that, no, there's a deeper magic that you've not learned. Uh, whereas sci-fi, it, it's like, you should, you should always have like, okay, that, that's why there's tension to anything. Yeah, and, they're, they're, and it's say that you know, you can as an author or a creator say no, and that's fine, but at your own peril. And again, yeah. it doesn't mean you have to reveal it. You can like Christopher Nolan in Inception has his own. Well, this is what's going on, and he's decided. No, I'm not going to tell you, but he knows, and there's a consistency, and you can you can come up with an explanation that is entirely consistent with the facts, and be okay. I, I I've settled for this because it fits everything, and I love that. I love that where you don't have to tell us. But let me make it. Let me not think that it's just a writer's room trying to come up with the most bat, rap crazy things yeah. they could to try to keep us entertained and tune in next week for the promise of the reveal, right? And to find out nothing. And like, d despite all that, Severance gets away with doing a ton of cliffhangers because it has a good sense of how to pay off mm -hmm. the, the, those. The well, because uh, underlying is a gigantic mystery, right? Right, and it's like, and and uh. uh there's a lot to unpack and and what I like about the show or at least the the premise of the show is that I'm there's so much that I want to know. There are so many mysteries that you can then complicate based on where the characters move that it's like there's a lot of meat on this bone. Like there is there is more than one season's worth of meat here and I am I am I'm pumped about that. Nice. Uh oh uh, Brian, you, you you watched someone play some of Stanley Parable? Uh, yeah, Ultra Josie Deluxe? started playing Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Um, uh, I I only got to see the very very opening and then the opening scene, which was identical to the original. But of course, I'm gonna assume that they have a deeper game that they're playing. Um, the uh, it is kind of funny. There's one fake out ending that is an inside joke of the you know dozens or hundreds of different endings in the original. There's one that is utterly disappointing but the narrator makes a joke about how oh i hope all of you just talk about how this is the best ending Ooh, i hope you get the broom closet ending <laughs> and it becomes this inside joke and then that becomes the top comment on the ultra deluxe version is ever like oh i hope the broom In closet, closet ending yeah. is still there <laughs> that's great very nice uh i've also got a video game pick uh this uh i ended up grabbing this uh uh, just before we went out to Las Vegas over the weekend and have really enjoyed it. Uh, kind of expensive for, for kind of expensive for a mobile game, but I'm really enjoying it. It is the new Zach Gage and Jack Schlesinger app, not words. Uh, you might know Zach Gage from uh, Spell Tower or Bad Sudoku. Um, uh, this is their new uh, puzzle game. It is like a, uh, it's like a reverse crossword puzzle. So you're given... Uh, a layout of crossing words um, and you're given the letters as hints and they're in these kind of uh, uh, 
different clusters of tiles. And so you have to arrange all of the letters in each cluster such that uh, every word, every uh, every section of more than two of two or more consecutive tiles is a word. Uh, so there's a lot of two letter words and three letter words to just fill in everything. But um, it's really it's really interesting uh, in terms of being it's this is a good day it's a good time to get into puzzle games because this is like this is a pretty unique way of making a puzzle game like this um uh a little expensive maybe you it's free you can play the daily for free you can play the month uh, some of the monthly puzzles for free um and either pay five dollars per year or twelve dollars for a lifetime uh and there's a lot of puzzles in here a little, little bit of a high price, but I but I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I was able to play it offline. I got a, there's easy stuff, harder stuff, um, and uh, for like a mobile game to just blip 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 just in a minute, uh, I really dug it. So that's uh, not words. It's on mobile and it's on PC. Twelve dollars per lifetime equals expensive? Question mark for a mobile game. Okay. Right. And for okay. one that says like we're going to be $5 per year or you can pay us less than 3 years for perpetuity. Well, and I, I how I, how many mobile games do you play for more than 3 years? I I think uh but may, I think it is worth $12. So. May, maybe my head's in the wrong space because like um uh, uh Callie is now at the right age where for the third time I paid $10 for Dragon Box to teach uh, uh algebra to to the kids. Mm -hmm. And and uh it's it's so funny when 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 it's a learning moment that you're doing all of a sudden you don't you know 10 bucks whatever learn learn algebra kid. Yeah. Dragon Box is the bomb. It's great. It's great. And, and what's funny is like, she's now like, she's at the point where it's all plus and minus and letters and numbers and all that. She's now well past uh, the, the, the symbolic part and into the part where it's nothing but actual uh, uh, numbers and letters. And she's like, I still don't understand how I'm doing algebra. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fine. You understand enough. You are way too young to really need to know how I you're doing the algebra just yet. If you haven't tried Dragon Box or curious about math, just do it because it's. I remember I'm like, ah, this games. That's kind of fun, but like I don't like. Well, how am I learning this? And then it does this sort of vroom reveal, yes. and you're like, oh. All it no. does is change the symbols, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, my pick is Yellowstone season four. Specifically no, season four. Well, I just finished season four. I love Yellowstone, so I just finished the latest season. So. Uh, if you haven't watched Yellowstone, I highly recommend Yellowstone. Uh, Yellowstone is the most successful television franchise there is right now. Yeah. And um, uh, they're doing, they have 1883, which we just started, which is another spinoff. Then they're going to be doing another spinoff, which is the the triple, the quadruple of four, six ranch, which will be interesting because there's a whole story behind that. Um, one of the characters on the show is actually the is the co-creator Taylor Sheridan, who's an actor and interesting guy himself and, uh, they did this thing in season four where one of these characters, you know, like Kevin Costner says, yeah, we want to be like the, 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 the four or six ranch in Texas. Cause that's, that's where we want to be. And it's like, that's kind of interesting sort of phrasing, like to, to talk about this ranch. And it turns out it's a real ranch that Taylor shared and some people bought ah. and it's one of the largest and it's actually going to be a spinoff. So I'm like, Oh, cool. It's really, that's, that's, that's a great, you know, kind of a spinoff. And, you, so. and does he, I mean, I know for Yellowstone, he writes every episode by himself. 
uh, I, I think he might do the spinoffs too. Like, like he is a, think, yeah, a machine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, this is kind of the new, the new sort of model uh, is is the having you know just like the one creator sort of just totally write everything. Although. <sighs> I think and I think I think it works for him for the most part. I think that uh, there are other showrunners and director writers who do this, and I go like, man, you should really have a writers' room. Yeah, like some of the Star Wars stuff. Like a writers' room would have made the stuff a good writers' room make it better. Yeah. Um, but here, I think he does a really good job. And man, does he love horses? Does he love horses? <laughs> that man loves horses. Yeah. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I love magic. Me too. Me too. And it's been weird. Hey! Oh! <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>